This episode is sponsored by Boogie Board, makers of award-winning reusable writing and creativity products. Say goodbye to messy whiteboards and expensive computer tablets with these super affordable alternatives, perfect for group or individual activities and exercises, including communication for non-verbal individuals and honing fine motor skills related to writing. Best of all, there is no charging necessary, no special pins or markers, and they're easy to store. I love my smart notebook for taking notes in the office so I can write down echo words during sessions with clients, then zoop, delete it all with a tap for full HIPAA compliance. Boogie Board has extended me an additional 5% off with my code Let's Discuss, which will apply to on top of their current 20% off sale on their smart notebooks for a total of 25% off. Best of all, this code will also get you 5% off everything else on the site. Check out all they have to offer and make your practice the best it can be at myboogieboard.com. Your mental health is your dopest health, but you don't have to tend to it by yourself. Get a tribe, get inspired, and you'll get ahead. Get someone to talk to, don't keep it bottled in. You're beautifully human, you should remember this. So it's okay for you to feel emotions. At times we all need to clear our heads. And when you do, just holler at Therapy by Meg. We are back, back, back again. Dr. Huge is back in the house. So exciting. Jenny Hughes is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in the treatment of trauma and PTSD. As a clinician, she practices EMDR, cognitive processing therapy, and prolonged exposure therapy. Jenny recently published a book, which I have and I love and I've already sent to other people. Gal, get it? It is designed for clients to use on their own or with a therapist called the PTSD Recovery Workbook, which can be found on Amazon. Through her clinical work, Jenny discovered that her true passion is to support other trauma therapists through the inevitable inevitable experience of vicarious trauma. While trauma work is incredibly rewarding, Jenny knew the therapists making space for this healing deserve to be cared for too. This inspired her to create the Brave Trauma Therapist Collective, a membership site that helps trauma therapists go from feeling drained and demoralized to energized and empowered. Members of Brave work with Jenny to become more aware of how to name VT, develop realistic ways to tame VT, and ultimately reframe VT by thriving in their professional and personal lives. You can learn more about Jenny and her work with trauma therapists at braveproviders.com slash VT tracker on Facebook group, the Brave Vicarious Trauma Community, and on Instagram and TikTok at Brave Providers. And those will all be in the show notes. Welcome back once again, Dr. Hughes. Hello. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. And I'm so glad that I've gotten to see you so frequently lately. I am. I am so here for it. It's one of the many, many luxuries of having a podcast is I'm like, do you have an hour that I can just sit and talk with you? Oh, I'd love that. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So we are back again. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk more about the helping providers, right? The trauma therapist. And it's funny because I know I've said it to you <laughs> before, um, and I know you hear from other people like, I, I'm a therapist, and I deal, I sit with people, and I hold space for people, and I don't know how you do what you do. <laughs> um, yeah, so, well, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say, and so I think it's really exciting that we have, that you are creating this space for the people who hold to also be held. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, and with that, I do want to acknowledge that like, there are certainly people who like myself identify as a trauma therapist, because that's pretty much all I do, but right. we as therapists are all doing and, and holding stress and trauma. Um, of course. And yeah, so, there are no trauma Olympics here on this show. That's right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that phrase. I forgot you had said that before. I love that yes, so much. Yeah. I do not, um, I do not, I hear of traumas daily. Yeah. I do not specialize in trauma. And I think again, like I can be, there are no trauma Olympics here, right? I can be traumatized. You cannot be traumatized everywhere in between. But I think for me, I think to be able to say like that, that is what you hear so consistently. EMDR is such a beautiful technique, um, modality of, of work. I would love to be trained in that. I also like, that's really, really getting into the nitty gritty. And I, that is, um, it's, it's heavy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, even like you said, as someone who does 
strictly trauma work. Mm -hmm. um, I hear from so many other colleagues, like, I don't know how you can do that work, right? Mm -hmm. And um, in the beginning of my career, I was like, ooh, I'm such a badass. Like, no really? one knows how I, can, how I can do this. And that wears off pretty quickly because sure. then you actually start to feel kind of alone, even, you know, amongst your colleagues, because people are like, oh, I don't want to touch trauma work with, you know, a hundred foot pole. Sure. Um, sure. And then it's like, oh, well, like I'm too much, like not even my fellow therapists can, can handle me. Right. Yeah. Um, are, those are just like the kind of like the negative thoughts that can start to surface. And mm -hmm. then that can kind of interact with the vicarious trauma that's happening anyway, which as this occupational hazard of any therapist or helping professionals job, but a feeling like, oh my God, like who the fuck is going to help me? Like mm. I do this work that no one else wants to do. How am I supposed to like find a therapist that can work with me, which by the way, has been very difficult for myself. How am I supposed to find, you know, any yeah. kind of community that is going to like understand and not freak out when I'm sharing what it's like to do trauma work. And so mm -hmm. that's why, you know, for me, it's so important to like get the message out about vicarious trauma and what it's like for people that are doing that work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it's so important. That's, I mean, that's so interesting for me to hear that you're having trouble finding somebody because it, it's, we always talk about, you know, I, I teach a class over at KU and I'm always like, and, and when you talk to your therapist and by when, I mean, when, because we all need therapists now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I guess I'm a little flip about that for my students, but also it, it's getting somebody who is a good fit. And that's the thing too. I mean, I'm, this is a quick little tangent, but that is the thing when encouraging everybody who's listening, not just trauma therapists, is that just because you pick somebody and you meet them and they take your insurance or don't or have a time that works or whatever, that they may not be your cup of tea. You might listen to yeah. my podcast and you might not like me as your therapist, right? Like right. that's very possible. And I think, um, and I don't want to say like therapist shopping, but to, to make sure that you're looking around and finding the things that, that are going to speak to the, the needs that you have. And so for yeah. you, yeah, I mean, to be able to say like with that intense work, um, holding that trauma, finding ringing out your chamois your sham wow <laughs> like where do you go to ring out your sponge is very important we talked about that last time it's very important yeah i mean and even like just for myself on the client side of it i've worked with you know really good therapists mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but i also have felt with some of them that there was something that was not clicking. And I have to own my own part in that, in terms of mm. the way that I've internalized these beliefs of like, oh, well, no one could possibly take care of me. Oh, um, yes. that uh -huh. belief is way deeper than just being a trauma therapist. Let me just uh -huh. put that out there. Um, and is then, you know, like confirmed and compounded by the work that I do. Um, and, but it, it really, I mean, it, it's tough, you know, those kinds of beliefs, they, get in the way of our relationships, both personal and professional. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for me, such a huge source of healing has been just through sharing those kinds of things with other people who are having those beliefs mm -hmm. um, to sort of start to like put cracks in, in all of that stuff so that those cracks can then permeate in a, in a positive way to, to break through those stuck points and to be able to connect with people um, in all areas of my life. Absolutely. Yeah. I've actually, a, a couple of faces just popped to mind of clients. I'm obviously not going to breach HIPAA, um, <laughs> but of clients who have, have either started to establish with me and then like my, again, trauma Olympics, my stuff's not that bad. Other people have it worse. I don't, I don't want to take up your time. And it's like, I mean, there's a, there's a meme that goes around amongst the therapists on like Instagram and stuff. It's like, you never know if you're going to talk about suicidal ideation or your mother-in-law's lasagna recipe. Like it just, right. it, it, and every week can be different. And then another one was like, um, a, a therapist must hope some days that we just sit and, and gab. Um, yeah. I saw that one recently. That, yeah. A colleague Man, of mine sent it to me. Yeah. Lots of therapists. Have, I'm like, look, I have, I have clients who show up and 
they show up every week, whether or not they have something that we're air quotes working on, they just mm. want the time and the space and they want to talk. And then I have clients who are very solution focused and very driven of like, I feel like things are going well. Maybe we can skip next week. And, and that's always so great. And, but I've had, I have had people show up, like I said, even either in the beginning where they're like, Oh, I don't even know. And it's like, I know it's so hard to take that first step. Um, and I'm just sitting there just like validation, valid, like you deserve to take up space. Of course, mm. Melissa Dumas came on uh, an episode earlier, and that was the whole thing was taking up space. And then I've also mm. had people who, who have been working with me, who will have something, you know, some, like Uvalde came, coming up or something big. And they're just like, I, I just don't feel like I can sit and bitch about my work stressors when 19 children were murdered. And I'm like, okay, let's all of that. You also still have this space. We can process that if you'd like to process that. And we can also talk about your work bitching. That's okay. Mm -hmm. right. Just taking up. And I think, I think we're continuing to further the, advance the conversations in mental health, but um, people still feeling like, yes, everybody should have mental health except me. I'm good. I, I don't want to take up too much. Space. Right. right. <laughs> and like, as helping professionals, um, we are sometimes the worst at not asking for help. Uh, um, even when we know that we really need to, you know, yes. um, and uh, I mean, like for me, that shows up in so many areas mm -hmm. of my life. Like, I don't know if I told you this story when we did our first episode together, but, um, mm -hmm. if I did my apologies to you and Say your audience, but, uh, it, it exemplifies how difficult it is for me to ask for help. So when I was pregnant, um, with my daughter, um, you know, we're like getting, you know, towards the third trimester doing all the, you know, birth planning and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And I, so we did like the Bradley method class and through that, the teacher that we took our class through, um, we hired her as our doula uh -huh. and I think doulas are amazing anyway, but sure. my reason for hiring a doula was because I knew that, um, well, I didn't want my difficulties asking for help to mm. get in the way of like my relationship with my husband, right? Like yes, I have so chills. amazing. But I was like, if I pay this person, then I can ask her for help. And then she can tell my husband what to do oh versus gosh. me actually, God forbid, having to ask for help from yes. my husband. Which is uh, just to clarify, because I know he's going to listen and we love him. He is spectacular. And oh my God. He's such an amazing human being. He's like so he's not scary to ask for help from all he wants to do is help. And then he has to right. deal with me. Who's like, no, okay. you're not allowed to help me. No one Walls. can help me climb my wall please I right, exactly help if, if i pay you to help me then that's, that's right. fine right uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> so uh -huh. like like that's the level for me at which it is very yeah. difficult to ask for help. <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean that is a beautiful representation of like and thank goodness you have the ability to access that and you and the right. insight to be like Okay. This is, this is my workaround for my, and I straight up told both of them that too. Like our first meeting with the doula, I was ah. like, I just want y'all to know that this is my actual scheming plan yeah. <laughs> because I, I can't ask for help. So I'm going to pay you yeah. to be this bridge for yes. between me and my husband for when I need help. Like, yes. Oh my gosh. But again, you know, I, I, I love that. And I, I hate that for you that you can't just, because again, he's, he's so lovely and amazing why you married him, but um, yeah, like, and then also to be able to say like, there are ways for us to work around certain things right. in the world of saying whatever you are, whatever your shtick might be to right. be able to say, what else can we do? And that can be part of the conversations that you're having. Like, well, I don't feel comfortable with X, but I need to get there. So what, how can I circumvent and still get there? I love that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, like recognizing I, for me, so sorry, I'm talking about school so much, but I had my first class this week and I, as, yeah. as, as absolutely crass as it sounds to talk about a class teaching suicidal ideation and self-interest behavior, I had so much fun in those three hours. I had such a great group. They were very open and questioning and um, so curious. They're so hungry. Yeah. They just want to know. And I'm like, let's talk more about that. Yeah. And so I asked them in the beginning, though, what's your favorite adaptive coping skill and your favorite maladaptive coping skill? And of course, tongue in cheek, what's your favorite maladaptive coping skill, right? right? And one of them actually raised their hand and they were like, because I asked them to get together in groups and introduce themselves and then do the whole group. But they're like, what do you mean by favorite? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's just an introduction into my personality is that uh, I like to 
I like to do things with a sense of humor, but it is so, and of course mine is a bacon cheeseburger, specifically from Wendy's, a Baconator. They are not a sponsor of this podcast, but they can <laughs> if you want somebody at Wendy's to me a call. Um, and I recognize that my binge eating disorder is really my, my red, my, my light starts going off when I'm like, I have a fridge and freezer full of food and I'm going to McDonald's and I'm going to get a double cheeseburger. Right. And I'm like, but I have a fridge full of food or ordering Hawaiian brothers or whatever it might be. I, I can see and talk about all of my, that is all fast food. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, and, and having, I'm, I'm recognizing when I start to ramp up, right? And that, if I may self-disclose, that's been my week this week. My husband was gone all week and I was feeling the stressors and school was starting and all of that. Yeah. And being able to recognize, like, what are your kind of red flags? What are the things that are showing you like, hey, maybe time to pop into a session, <laughs> maybe time yeah. to chat with somebody and that that's mine. And so it's, that's why I think it's very helpful with some of these tools, like the trackers th that we talk about is to say, um, the, obviously the VT tracker, a mood tracker of saying like, what are the patterns? What are the things that are coming through? What can I see that maybe in the past I can see that this is not an adaptive coping skill. I mean, cause I, right. It's not about not having the feelings. It's about having a better re relationship with the feelings and emotions. Right, exactly. And that's why in the Brave Collective, we do name it, tame it, reframe it, right? Absolutely, so name yes. VT so that we can tame it and then reframe it and transform. Mm. And actually I was just talking to someone who is working through the tracker and we were talking about some of the things that she was learning mm -hmm. about herself. And one of the, the things that she shared was like, uh, and, and she's similarly, like she it doesn't do all trauma work, right? She's not a quote unquote trauma therapist. Right. Um, and she works, she works with like immigrants and, and like dealing mm. with like, um, uh, like citizenship stuff. Like she works with very, like yes. really high stressed folks mm -hmm. and with lots of trauma. And so that's why she wanted to do the tracker and she re had reached out to me to talk about it. And so anyway, she was like, yeah, like I'd always heard about vicarious trauma and we'd learn about, learned about it. But yeah. then even going through this, I was really surprised at like doing the checklist and thinking mm -hmm. about like, okay, within like emotional, physical, relational, occupational, like, oh, these things are vicarious trauma. Mm. Wow. Like that was really eye opening. And then tracking it was really surprising for her as well, seeing kind of how it was all showing up for her. Mm -hmm. And then we also talked about how, like, you know, a lot of the things that are considered part of vicarious trauma, um, they can also be part of, you know, generalized anxiety or yes. depression or mm -hmm. like life is just stressful and it fucking sucks right now. Yes. <laughs> and so it's not about like pathologizing that, um, but of getting some clarity around, okay, so is mm -hmm. my irritability because I'm soaking up too much trauma in my work or is it because I'm stretched too thin in multiple areas slash it could be all of those things too. So, yes. um, having the ability to name it is just, it's really validating. It's really eye opening, And then it gives you, it opens the doors to pathways that you didn't know were there pathways towards healing in a lot of different areas. Yes. Amazing. You know, that, that what you just said made me think of, an, sorry, I'm like meme city today, but the meme of like somebody with a, a big jumble of yarn in their thought bubble. And then there's a talking to a person across them who is the therapist and the therapist is like untangling it and rolling it into individual skeins. And I actually use that metaphor in a, in a, um, in a session this week, again, no more details because HIPAA, but, uh, but just from my, from my perspective of how it can be very, like, it doesn't have to be discreet. It does not have to be like, this is that, and this is that, and that's how I'm going to work on it. And right. So I don't want everybody to feel like, well, there's no way I can untangle all of this. I might as well not even try. Right. Right. Again, nothing, very few things are all or nothing. Very, everything often is on a spectrum. So I do think it can be very helpful to be able to say like, for example, is your anxiety as a result of feeling anxious? Is your anxiety a symptom of your depression? Like what, how can we help you to unravel, uh, no, uh, um, untangle the blue thread from mm -hmm. the orange thread, from the red thread and put them into their own skeins as best we can, knowing that they're never going to be fully the way that they were when you got them from Joey and Fabric. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you tell that I like to yeah. sew and crochet? Um, but I do, I love that metaphor of like, 
Yeah. Recognize it. And I like what you said too. It's not about pathologizing. It's not about the diagnosis. Yes, to bill insurance, unfortunately, we do have to, for the good faith estimate, we do have to give um, a diagnosis. And I'm very clear of, I'm going to give that to you if you feel, because I have to give a good faith estimate now as of 2022. Um, I, I have to give that to you. You are going to see it. So if it's, if it's, empowering to you if it's impactful if you find that let's i have my, my beautiful purple dsm right here if you'd like to go through that we can and also that's not that's not necessarily right, right. like it's not necessary it's not right. dot, 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 you have this you right um so i'm glad that you mentioned that too of, of understanding that it's not about necessarily pathologizing but just again the insight and the understanding and vicarious trauma in and of itself is not a you know, disorder, Absolutely. like that's we've right. talked about. And so yes, right. it can certainly lead to, uh -huh. you know, like depression, anxiety, people mm -hmm. can certainly experience a trauma or stress or related, dis related disorder as a result <laughs> of their work. Uh -huh. um, but VT in and of itself is, is not a pathology. Right. right. Absolutely correct. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's my, this most recent week's episode where we were talking about what mental illness is not. And I think it's yeah. very important that we're, we're articulating that, that we're understanding that we're speaking intelligibly about the things that we're talking about. I love that we're talking about mental health and that we're opening up the space and the, I'm just going to keep bringing up memes. The memes are all about like, well, I was talking to my therapist and da, 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 right. and, and that's great because it's normalization and then also making sure that we're speaking appropriately about what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the conversation that you had in your last podcast, her name's Kate, is that right? Yes, Kate Acton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Everyone go listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, it, that was so powerful of talking about what is the difference between mental health and mental uh -huh. illness, right? Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. it's important to understand that those are two different concepts. And when we're talking about supporting our mental health, um, you know, for me and in the vicarious trauma space, it's about acknowledging things like vicarious resilience, right? Because mm -hmm. even as we're doing really tough trauma work, we also, that can actually fill up our cup in a lot of ways because it's so inspiring um, and encouraging to see our clients overcome so many things in their lives. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's Discuss is supported by Mom and Bras. With a wide range of bras and bralettes available for chest feeding and pumping, Mom and Deck combines the functionality you need with style and comfort. My favorite is the Do Anything Bra, the perfect bra that supports chest feeding and pumping in one truly lovely and comfortable bra. Visit us.momanda.cc backslash Let's Discuss and use code Let's Discuss for 10% off your entire order of $40 or more. Kind of going back to like not being willing to ask for help. I think a lot of people are not willing to accept accept compliments, certainly, uh, which I admit to my clients. I'm a little bit too much of a cheerleader sometimes. I'm like, I'm going to embarrass you just for a moment and be a little bit of a cheerleader that I'm going to pull back because that is not helpful. But um, but even in recognizing their own the work, I, I always bring it back. Like I've had so many clients, this is going to sound a little backdoor brag, but like so many clients, like, I just feel so much better. I just right. feel like I'm doing whatever. I'm like, yes, because you've been doing a lot of really hard work. And I'm, right. like, and I'm like, that's because you've been doing hard work. Or I've actually had clients who had no awareness at all that it was, because they would have been like, you know, I just don't really have, I, I really felt like I handled that so much better. I don't really know why. And I'm like, because you've been in therapy for three months. Right. Like, what is that like for you as their therapist to see them just take leaps and bounds and to see the change that can happen? Beautiful. It is gorgeous. It is chills. When I am able to have somebody start, whether it's from a place of insight or not, because I, I, I again have a client popping right to mind and she was saying that she was able to do these things. And I, I literally said, because you've been in therapy for three months and you are doing this work that you are able to set a boundary and or I'll have somebody say straight up like because I've been having these conversations with you because I've been really focusing on da 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 that I've been successful in something and it's just it does it fills your cup I mean it just it's one of those things where we've talked about on a and if I can be really candid 
I've had people joke about like, we should make a TV show where we talk about like what therapists, I'm like, first of all, like HIPAA, second of all, <laughs> it, you'd have to make it funny. And then I think people wouldn't enjoy thinking that their therapists are making fun right, of it. That's right. not, that's, that's not the tea, but, but right. yeah. So being able to, um, to see that growth and transformation, it's not about me, but it does help us to get to a space where you don't feel like you're banging your head against the wall right. and you do know and recognize and own that change is possible, that right. change can happen if people want to make the change. And it is unfortunately not a checklist that I can give you and come back in a week and everything's, but I would love that, man, if I could create that checklist, I would right. happily. Right. Well, um, and it yeah. then has such a transformative effect on your work as a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Yeah. Because we're humans. We're all, I mean, I, I think yeah. people think that you go and you get your PhD in psychology and you get your master's in social work and counseling and whatever, you know, licensed marriage and family therapist, all of these letters that we have behind our name somehow make us impervious to stress and that right. we don't, that we, uh, we're just constantly mentally healthy and that we're just constantly on top of our game. And like I said, just this week, my binge eating disorder has come flaring up and I'm, I do have, because I am a therapist and because I do my own work, I have the insight to be able to do that, but it doesn't mean that I haven't gone to Chick-fil-A and Wendy's and McDonald's multiple times this yeah. week, Friday. <laughs> so, well, yeah. and I think a lot of times as therapists and helping professionals, because, you know, we talk the talk, yeah. if we're not walking the walk, mm. we can get caught in our own shame spiral. And was, then, that was literally where I was going next. Go yeah. <laughs> yeah. And especially, you know, if we're keeping those things secret. Absolutely. So like for me, you know, like knowing that I am really poor at asking for help, it's important for me to voice uh-huh. that so that it doesn't have this power over me through keeping it secret. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, knowing that, you know, there are definitely things that I do to, to check out and I'm really, I'm working on that stuff right yes. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. because it, you know, I am realizing how much it was gained in the way of the things in my personal life primarily, but also my professional life that fill up my cup. Yes. Um, and by, you know, making it known that I am dealing with those things, um, Mm -hmm. it, it helps to stop that shame spiral. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really scary to say that stuff, but it's, it's super important. And I think that a really powerful place to start that sharing is with our other colleagues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like in the Brave Collective or, or anywhere right. that you have colleagues that you can share this with who are going to understand what it's like to be a therapist mm-hmm. or helping professional and be a human. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we just really, we don't work in a vacuum. You and I are part of also a monthly mentor peer supervision group. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it selfishly, you know, being in private practice is beautiful. I love it so much. It's, it's why I went to school. It's what I wanted to do. And also, you know, there's no water cooler talk, right? And not that we water cooler talk about patients at the water cooler, but there's no chit chattiness there. Right. We miss yeah. that. And then also that interdisciplinary collaboration, which, well, we're all mental health, but you know what I'm saying? Like that right. is one thing that I really missed was the treatment team aspect of things. I loved right. having the forced opportunity to sit in a room with the nurse who sees the patient for 12 hours a day, the psychiatrist who is having different conversations sometimes than the patient is having with me in group therapy and the, you know, even the, the mental health technician, the, the, we call them patient care advocates, PCAs, um, Mm -hmm. who are on the floor with them all day, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so that's, what's really nice about having that space is to come in. And then of course, too, I don't know everything. I do not know everything. And sometimes we do have challenging cases. And so we're in this HIPAA compliance space where we can say like, y'all, I'm hitting a wall. I don't know where to go next. Mm-hmm. Or this case is really taking it out of me. And I'm struggling to find ways to kind of safeguard my own peace. What are your su- suggestions? And not being alone and not feeling like I have to be she woman and have all of the answers is powerful. Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and there are so many folks that whether they are, you know, working in private practice or working solo, or even working in a group or agency setting feel really alone and need to figure out how to create that, those spaces for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one of the times that VT got the worst for me was working within a traumatized system of care mm-hmm. where the agency itself was so stressed and um, we yes. were all trauma providers, like all we did was trauma work and yet the, the system was traumatized. Mm-hmm. And it was so demoralizing. And mm-hmm. um, it, I mean, it was just like my feet were just like it like to think of a metaphor it's just like my feet were like so heavy i couldn't even move right mm-hmm. i was just stuck in this vt and i felt so helpless um and you know there's this memory that i have and it was kind of the moment where i decided that i needed to you know figure out how to make a change of just crying in my colleague's off- office mm. and i have cried in plenty a colleague's office right that's <laughs> not that is not the rock bottom oh yeah point. <laughs> <laughs> I have many colleagues who are probably listening like, yeah, that Meg is part of my office. Right. Yes, continue. Go for it. But it was the <laughs> fact that I would just, I didn't feel like there was any way out. You know, uh-huh. that is how deep I had gotten into this rut of VT because even though I was surrounded by other trauma therapists and professionals and some of the breast, best, <laughs> the breast, <laughs> some of the best ones in our region, we were all so isolated and mm-hmm. just so disconnected and we were so feeling so much VT ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so um that's you know another reason why I've worked to create the Brave Collective because mm-hmm. there I know that there are so many people out there who are around other professionals every day and yet they feel completely alone. Absolutely. Yeah. And so tell me more about kind of what you envision for, I know it's, it's new, but my goodness, there's so much momentum already. And I love to see it. You love to see it. It's so, (laughs) it's just, again, beautiful. It is a beautiful thing to behold when people are like, oh, this space exists. Let me jump right on in. Let me kick my shoes off. Let me prop my feet up. Let me tell you a story. And um, so I just was curious kind of what, what you had envisioned and kind of where you think you see it kind of going. Yeah, so um, it's still, we're still in kind of the building phases. Um, well, it's more in some of like the tweaking and finalizing phases, I think, actually, of the collective. But yeah. um, so the collective is going to be an online space, an online mm-hmm. community and membership site um, where trauma therapists, which again, that definition is very broad. It's anyone who is saying I do trauma work and I want to connect with other people that, Mm -hmm. that are doing that are able to come together. And really like the, the core of the work that we do in the brave collective is through our relationships and the community that we build in terms of allowing each other to be seen and heard, right. Mm -hmm. Of, of doing that healing together, because we are not going to say, oh my God, I don't know how you can do that work. Right. Um, right. And cause we're all doing that work. Right. Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to be kind of flippant to people who have said that to me. It I have just said that to you. Very- <laughs> You're on my show. So this is, I, I, I took no, no shade from that. I know exactly. Okay. What, but again, because I genuinely Right. You truly don't. And that is awesome. Right. Um, And, you know, I want this to be a space where we don't have to worry about hearing that because I think sometimes it feels like then like I have to hold that for the other person who's saying like, I don't know how you can do this work. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let me hold that for you. <laughs> but, that, but that's true. And I do, if I may, of, uh, so people are probably like, geez, Meg, you're a terrible friend. But like, oh, I think that you, uh, I have also articulated that I, I have the space for you in the capacity. Obviously we do participate in that. And um, so it's not that, but I do think that there is kind of, it, it, it can be, you can have people who are like, I don't know how you do that. And I'd like for you to understand that I'm also the implicit undertone of that is, and please don't tell me. Right. And so then that does, that's an immediate isolation point of, okay, so that's off limits for you. Let me put that in my Rolodex in my brain of, okay, so I can't talk to Sally Joe over there about what I, you know, um, and there are people who can say that. And, but even like mine's more of like an adoration and 
anyway, but yes. Yeah, well, so and I it's important really- that we're having these difficult conversations like you and I are doing right now of like, yes. okay, so what are kind of the boundaries within our relationships? Because mm-hmm. if Sally Joe over here can't talk about it, then that's right. fine. Right. But helping to figure out how we can communicate this amongst ourselves as, especially as professionals, I think within like the therapy world right. um, of how can we communicate these boundaries in ways that um, don't feel isolating. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you and I are doing right now by having a difficult conversation about yeah. like, oh, wow, this is actually how that made me feel. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. And I think it's so helpful because sometimes, and this, it goes back to everything. Sometimes we say things and we think that it's a compliment and we think that it's helpful or funny or all of the above. And then it's like somebody walked away with that in a totally different taste with a totally different taste in their mouth. And it is, it's important to know and important to be able to share. But then again, if you don't feel like you can ask for help, how certainly do you feel like you can set a boundary with a friend who was just joshing around, but. And, and also yeah. not wanting to people to feel like they have to be silenced or that they have to be so careful about what right. they're saying. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that our language is so powerful and, and important, but mm-hmm. I also want people to be able to, to share the, the words that are on their mind and on their heart, you yes. know? And so mm-hmm. it's in that follow-up conversation where that growth and that healing happens. I yeah. Think. I couldn't agree more. It, it's, yeah. it's, I, I actually remember I, I'm reflecting now. I think I made it through an entire episode with Kate and didn't mention Brene Brown once. So I'm going to do it now, <laughs> but but that's why Brene Brown wrote Atlas of the Heart and defined 83 emotions. Because when we ask people to name emotions, what is it? They're happy, sad, and pissed off mm-hmm. are the three three emotions. And we know, like we we can conceptualize easily that there are more than three emotions. And also, if I, you know, what uh, what is it? Billy Eisner who runs around like Billy on the street and it's like shoves a microphone in someone's face. And like if I stopped you randomly on the street and shoved a microphone in your face and asked you for emotions that's kind of where your brain goes. And so when we can use the appropriate language, we can express ourselves more fully and we can get to a place where we understand each other better. So I can say something that I think is a compliment and you can receive it as a compliment and also have a feeling about it. And then let me know that. And then I can continue to say that I think the work you do is brilliant. You're a genius. And also be able to tailor that and temper that conversation in a way where I'm using more language that's more appropriate and and build you up in validating. Yeah. Well, also being able to express like, I don't know how you do that work and I have no interest in doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's totally fine. If somebody wants to pay for me to take some EMDR lessons, class lessons, lessons. my girlfriend and I talk every day and she teaches music lessons. And I I think Ariane, I fully just like embodied Ariane. Sorry. Um, If somebody wants to pay for me to take some EMDR courses and get licensed and uh, certified in that, I would be very, I would be delighted because I think it is, I I don't want to use the word magic because I feel like that is flippant, but I think it's magic. So um, yeah, absolutely. That like, (laughs) when regardless of the kind of work that you're doing as a therapist uh-huh. if you don't have the the training that you need then it's mm-hmm. going to be super stressful like i am not trained in eating disorders and i refer that out and yeah. and same yeah. with like substance use stuff like yeah. um for for different reasons i have chosen not to be trained in substance use right. and um for eating disorders i just have never like had the opportunity to sure um well, but- because we don't have all the time in the world Right. All of this costs money. I know I, I, we spoke about it. I, I'm so sorry. I keep bringing up another episode when I'm in your episode, but I, we talked about no, it. No, I'm barriers. glad you are. I was listening to it yesterday, actually. And so I wanted to talk about it anyway. <laughs> also, thank you for listening to my podcast. <laughs> but yeah, just the, the, the systems that are in place, it's not, I, I don't know how people envision what a therapist does or how we become where we are, but it's not like we can just sign up at the emdr.com place right. and be like, great. Okay. I'm going to take these couple classes and get some more letters behind my name it's it's and I'm not I'm not coming for EM again I love EMDR but it's everything that you all of these specializations that you're working on cost money they're very expensive they take a lot of time the training that I did last week I gave up my husband's birthday which also meant that he volunteered to watch our children by himself on his birthday um it was very expensive it was lovely and it right and so 
it is one of those things that I'm kind of going off on a tangent, so I'll bring it back. But yeah, I just, I think it's, it's one of those things where as a therapist, we decide what we'd like to try to specialize in, where mm -hmm. our focus is going to be the techniques that we want to learn and bring in. And some of that is purely by choice. I'm a licensed chemical dependency counselor in Texas. Right. I love to work with the substance use population. I don't do it virtually. So I, that's why I'm, um, I'm not specialized. My specialization is not in that, but, um, but I, don't want to get specialized in DBT. I love emotion regulation and distress tolerance, but it's not something that I want to focus on. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's yes. And it's, it's mm -hmm. access. And also not everything is for everyone. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and even as we get skilled up in different areas, mm -hmm. we then, you know, as we're really like diving in and doing that work, we learn what the occupational hazards are in these yeah. different areas of specialty, right? And right. so um, in the, the Brave Collective, we don't do training on, on trauma work in there. That's not what this space is for. Right. It is just right. for um, creating the, the community to support each other in our shared experience of vicarious trauma. Um, and they're also, you know, in the collective, there will be monthly Zoom calls with me where mm -hmm. we're all able to, to jump on a call or whoever's available. There also be replays, of course, um, to talk about what, what we're discussing that month. Each month will either be in name it, tame it, or reframe it. And so mm -hmm. we'll be really focusing in on one part of the framework mm -hmm. and that'll rotate through each month. Um, and then, you know, there'll be lots of different um, types of content that are shared in there to support the members in their journey, um, both give, like, given wherever we're at in that month for name it, tame it, or reframe it, and just to meet people where, where they're at in that given moment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Let's Discuss is supported by Daily Harvest. It's easy to make fruits and vegetables part of your daily routine with Daily Harvest. Delicious, chef-crafted foods delivered to your door and ready in minutes. I'm a busy mama who, admittedly, doesn't always make getting my daily veggies a priority, so Daily Harvest has taken a lot of that work off my plate. Organic, nourishing, clean foods with no artificial anything, ready to go in minutes, it's really a no-brainer. Use code LETSDISCUSS at checkout for $40 off your first box. Oh, that'll be so, and that's so great. Again, having that connectivity, that, that, like grounding space of like, okay, and now I'm going to go back into this beautiful space that I have. I'm coming back home mm -hmm. to my, my little, my little group. That will be so helpful for people. Yeah. I mean, it does, it just, it gets to be a lot. You, you name it, tame it, reframe it, you move <laughs> forward and recognize with, they have the insight to recognize the positive pieces too. Change can happen. People can make improvements. We're not banging our heads against the wall most of the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes right. it can be easy to, to feel that way. <laughs> well, and there is a cyclical nature to vicarious trauma. And mm -hmm. that is one reason why we move through name it, tame it, reframe it every three months, yes. because um, it's important to go back and reassess, rename what VT looks like for you right now. I actually just right. finished doing the tracker myself this week. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really interesting um, going and, and doing my own reflection again, you know, um, it's something that is important for me to do regularly and seeing how things have changed for me and what things are more difficult now compared to the last time I checked in on my VT. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so acknowledging that it is cyclical, it's not a linear process, I think is really important so that we give ourselves and each other permission to be human. <laughs> What? Human? No. <laughs> Didn't you get your uh, Teflon coating when you went to- Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's Let's something say, yeah. I actually am I'm working, I'm, I'm writing some stuff about that right now about just carrying our own stress and trauma into the room with our clients mm -hmm. and what that's like, you know, and how that, um, what it's like to both hold our own pain um, and acknowledging that that is real while also, you know, having to contain it and, and be the, the space holder for that person that you are serving. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I've definitely had big things happen right before 
sessions with clients um, that are stressors. And it is, it's, it's a skill that is practiced often to be able to compartmentalize and say like, okay, well, either I need to cancel this appointment, which I really don't like to do, rarely do I, or that is going to take, I'm going to take 45 minutes and I will deal with that. And I will deal with that in 46 minutes. <laughs> right. Mm, yeah. um, and being able to, to get to that space because that, that is somebody else's time. And yeah. I think there also is another piece of harnessing our own experiences, whether they're happening right here and now, or mm -hmm. there's some time in the past and allowing that to really deepen the work that you're doing with your clients. Mm. I mean, you know, my clients bring me to tears um, on a semi-regular basis um, yeah. because I'm so impressed and amazed at the work they're doing. And because also, you know, our strings are connected. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that, not that I'm bawling in session, but they can see that I am affected by it. Right. right that's right, really right. powerful. And there's times where I know that what they're sharing is bringing up some of my own shit. Um, and yep. it has deepened the experience that we've had together in their work. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not sharing this with them, but um, right. it really is like such a, a, a more um, intense experience of being seen and heard. And mm -hmm. so I think that there's a lot of power and strength in that when we learn how to use it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's, it makes it so much more easy, so much easier for us to be curious and not judgmental when we are able to empathize. Um, that's been a big, I've only had the class for one week, but that was a big thing. They all had to write critical reflections um, for me and a couple have turned them in. And they're all talking about like, they're social, they're master's level social work students. So they're not coming in being like, I'm looking forward to continuing to be judgmental of people who are suicidal, right. <laughs> but they're open and honest about how judgmental they have been. They have more insight into why that is and the goal of being there. And so that's what I continue to say. I'm like, when you're asking these questions, they need to come from a place of curiosity and not judgment. How could you possibly want to do this? How could, right. We don't need to go into, unless y'all want to take my 868 course, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> But that's what it is. And, and I think it can be very helpful of continuing to help us to just to ask those questions and, and help people to get where they need to be. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty rigid on like my self-disclosure. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that that is very deeply amongst the therapist population. But I like I like the way that you described it for sure. It's more of a self-disclosure of feelings or of just like mm -hmm. this totally unspoken shared understanding shared understanding yeah just sharing mm -hmm. it in that space absolutely yeah. um Which, by well the way, is um totally doable and over telehealth and happens all the time i mean we are you know however far into covid and you know I, my private practice was set up all telehealth even before covid but mm -hmm. i think that's still something that people wonder is if that connection between the client and the therapist is still like real or if it'll still really happen and yes. let me tell you this <laughs> oh my gosh I'm so actually uh, can I be honest that popped into my head quickly and then I was like well that's okay and I, I'm glad that you said that though because I actually thought the same thing because I know that there are some people who are really rigid and digging their heels in that telehealth is not in a space and actually you you are very much aware because I left you to move here um we were neighbors <laughs> and so that was my vision too was I'm just going to do telehealth because especially in Houston it was always, I'm running late. There's traffic on the 610. Right. There's a wreck. It's blah, blah, blah. So um, I had always envisioned doing that as well. And of course I moved here in March of 2020. So I didn't right. have a choice, uh, but yeah, there really is, especially because we are all getting more and more comfortable with like staring at ourselves on the screen and being able, there is that, that ability to feel that spark, even though you're not sharing the same oxygen. Yeah. Um, so for anybody who's considering virtual therapy, but it has right. some hesitation, Dr. Yes. Hughes and I both strongly <laughs> encourage it. It's, it, it can yes. still be very powerful and meaningful. Um, well, I know we both have hard outs coming up, so I want to give you opportunity uh, to remind everybody where they can find you. It will of course also be in show notes. 
Yeah. So, um, head over to braveproviders.com slash VT tracker to mm-hmm. grab that snag the tracker. Um, and then you'll also be able to get all my, my weekly musings on vicarious trauma, vicarious resilience, all that fun stuff. I get so excited when I get an email from you. I'm like, Oh, what's he talking about today? <laughs> um, and then, um, also, so on TikTok and Instagram at brave providers. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you want to jump in the Facebook group, it is open to any kind of helping professional and you can just search for the brave vicarious trauma community on Facebook. Yes. And that is not, that is helping. She said that is not mental health specific helping professionals, please. So teachers, paramedics, you, I'm not going to list y'all. Y'all know who you are, but please, please come join. Well, I, Dr. Hughes. Oh, and also quickly, quickly. So I put Dr. Hughes. um, So I've, you already know the story of how Dr. Hughes and I met because that's how I make everyone tell that story. But so one of the very first night we hung out, um, at Los Tios in Houston, if anybody wants to go, it's delicious, puffy queso. And you told me the story about how somebody had paged you overhead at the hospital in Louisiana as Dr. Huge. And so that's how you were on my phone until you got married. Yep. Um, and so so I put that in there because we had talked about it and I guess somebody had either not listened to the first episode or they'd forgotten. And a couple of people were like, Dr. Huge. And I was like, yeah, Dr. Huge, you remember his story. So in case anybody was like, why? Uh, that's So the icing on the cake of that story is that after they paged me, I was walking downstairs and I opened the door of the stairwell and the chief medical officer of the entire hospital was there (laughs) and we knew each other really well. And he was like, Dr. Huge. And he gave me a big high five. And he always called me Dr. Huge after that. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. It's the best nickname. I know. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) Cause usually people say Huggis, which like, no, that's really annoying <laughs> I mean I was really my maiden name I thought was it, it was very difficult for a lot of people but Duke I was excited about and I still have some people who are confused by it which was a bummer but it's still easier than my maiden name so <laughs> yeah. well thank you for your intellectual and emotional labor thank you for building this community we need it that it's not talked about enough it's not available enough and I'm really happy and it's great to have someone so brilliant to be kind of the leader of the charge yeah. in this regard. Yeah. So Thank um for so everybody much. else, everybody will be opening for the collective in the fall. So oh open it. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well we look forward to that. I'm sure I will make you come on again before then or right around then for the launch. We'll talk about some <laughs> more or something completely different and also mention it. So right. um absolutely thank you so much for being here. Everyone else thank you for listening. Um I have to do Jenny I'm so sorry. Um I say it at the end, but somebody encouraged me to say it here. Make sure that you go and subscribe. Give me my little five stars if you would. It really helps. It helps keep the momentum going. Shameless plug. Here we are. Um, But thank you to everybody. Be curious, not judgmental, and make it a good one. Thank you all so much. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Let's Discuss with Meg Duke. I'd love for you to write a review of my podcast on your app. And don't forget to subscribe so you get a notification when new content is posted. Take a moment to leave a rating too. You can follow me at Therapy by Meg on Instagram and find Meg Duke LCSW on Facebook. You can also look for Let's Discuss content by searching the hashtag Let's Discuss with Meg. Let's Discuss with Meg Duke is executive produced by David Presley and produced by Meg Duke. Our theme song was written and performed by Antoine McDuffie.